all the all the smart people uh, with a lot of money, what they like to do is they they like to look for for buying opportunities. And let me tell you, post catastrophe, smart people are trained to look for opportunity. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Empire. You've got uh, two special guests today. Santi is traveling. Uh, big, big December of travels for Santi today. So we've got uh, Avi and Jonah stepping in. Uh, and you guys might have noticed a new show on the Empire feed this week called 1000X. So we wanted to bring on uh, Avi and Jonah, who are the two hosts of 1000X, to let us know what's going on. But before we do that, quick announcement that we have uh, we dropped permission, uh, permissionless tickets this week. Um, every, as you guys know, every two weeks, we, we unlock 250 new tickets to permissionless. They've sold out instantly both times. Uh, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, there's still some tickets available for you. So if you want to head over to the website, uh, and, and get your tickets to permissionless, go do that. So Avi, Jonah, welcome to the show guys. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for having us. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Of course. So the way that I see it, the way that I think about a thousand X is, there was something missing in the market, which was basically a podcast. There are all, all these crypto shows, right? There, Blockworks has shows, like Laura Shin's got her shows, Bankless has the shows, but there was a show that's missing, which is really a show by traders for traders. Um, and so I'd love to hear that, like, that's how I think about it internally. But Avi, I'd love to hear you just explain, like, what, I mean, busy guy, like, why, why did, why are you spending time build, building this podcast? Like, what, what's your vision for it? So the, 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 fu- the funny part is, um, this is this is an entirely selfish thing. I just really like talking to Jonah, and I want to keep talking to Jonah, and I want to keep finding excuses to talk to Jonah because he says a lot of interesting things. So I was like, great, how do I get this guy to talk to me once every two weeks and just give me everything that he knows? And I settled on a podcast. No. I mean, that that actually <laughs> that, that actually is that actually is a decent a, a, a decent a decent chunk of it is Jonah and I. You know, we, we talk we we talk pretty regularly, and, and you know, I think we have really really interesting conversations and. Um, just, in, uh, I find, you know, that them interesting and, uh, decided that it could be fun to do it in a, in a, in a podcast format and sort of just kick around ideas. And then, you know, in the future, we'll bring on, we'll bring on some guests that people haven't really heard from publicly before. The, these, these are mostly going to be, you know, we're, we're trying to find new and interesting perspectives because one of the most important things to do is just broaden your mind, find people that have done very cool and interesting and amazing things, but maybe you just haven't heard their perspective before, right? So we're going to bring these people onto the podcast and and hopefully ask them, you know, important questions. And uh, just to take a step back and talk about kind of who we are, Jonah and I, it's, yes, it's a podcast by traders who are actually trading in the market, but I think more important than that is it's it's a specific type of trader, right? It's Jonah's at a Jonah's at a large firm. I'm at a large firm. Historically, crypto has not been approached in the most professional and rigorous way. And I think both of us are coming to this market with an angle of, hey, this is how the top of the top do it in the traditional world. Let's figure out how to apply that to crypto and let's talk about that, right? And so I think that there are a lot of really smart traders out there that get on podcasts all the time. I think that there are a lot of really smart people out there. I think what's just been, you know, a little bit missing is all of almost, almost all the boring stuff. Right. So (laughs) we talked on our, we talked on the last podcast about assessing counterparty risk, right? How do you, how do you do that when you're trying to run a professional shop? 
you know, what do you need to think about? What do you need to do? And th th these types of conversations, I think, are just going to get more and more important over time. And they're conversations that aren't necessarily had out loud because a lot of the time they're, you know, had, had behind closed doors. And so I think we can we can talk about that, bring, you know, sort of a, a professional approach to the crypto markets. And hopefully people will learn a lot and, and, and get better because of it, because I think both of us have developed some pretty interesting processes for approaching the markets that nice. are just different than your average trader would. Nice. So, it's, so it feels silly to sit here and uh, ask you guys about podcasts. I want to ask you guys about the markets, actually, which is uh, and, and Jonah, you sit at this interesting seat, right at the kind of at the center of a lot of trading in crypto, um, like head of trading at Cumberland, I think is, is like your your formal title. I'm just curious to get your like broader framework for how you are viewing the rest of this, not just this year, the next two weeks, but maybe the next like 30, 60, 90 days. How, how are you think what like what's your framework for approaching these markets? Yeah, for sure. I mean, First of all, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've only been doing crypto professionally for a year. Before that, I was an oil trader for 15 years. And so, you know, I'm honored to be able to, to talk to you, Jason, and to talk to a you know, crypto superstar like Avi every week. So that's exciting. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about that title, Avi? <laughs> I, I, I like it less than Thundercat. Yeah, he's, a, he's a young Thundercat. <laughs> you got to no, listen I mean, to 1,000 next to get the reference. You got to <laughs> listen to 1,000 next. <laughs> the, the, the way I'm going to try to think about these markets is first and foremost, you know, by talking to Avi and guys like Avi and trying to, you know, guys like you, Jason, trying to learn just through discussions. Um, nobody learns to trade by sitting in a vacuum, you know, for people who haven't worked on trading floors, they're very loud, you know, talkative places. And, and that's sort of one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is to try to bring that conversation to a wider audience and source some views from, you know, a broader audience uh, and, you know, get them, get them back into our own heads. Cause, you know, in addition to us telegraphing what we're thinking and hopefully people can find some wisdom and trading ideas in that, like we'll hopefully be able to source ideas from, from the, you know, the audience as well. So that's exciting in terms of how look, how we're looking at the market right now, you know, as a liquidity provider uh, and a risk taker, you fall, the first thing you, you follow is the volumes. Uh, and right now volumes are down big. Like if you look at March or June as a reference month in crypto, we're down 50 to 60% volumes wise. So there's two interpretations. Number one would be, this is it. Sam Bankman Fried killed crypto. You know, we're, it's just going to, you know, hop, hop in your igloo and get ready for a, a 2018 style winter of apathy and sideways price action. Um, the other is, hey, this is a holiday period. Uh, the drumbeat of adoption is continuing. Like the devs aren't stopping what they're doing. They're not like quitting and going to work for uh, JP Morgan, you know, IT department. They're not like packing up their, their bags and leaving Web3 and going to, you know, work for some random, random boring project. Like people are, people are all in on crypto still. Volumes are still a massive order of magnitude bigger than they used to be, uh, even in, you know, 2020. So from my perspective, um, Avi and I talked about this on a thousand X, uh, effectively, like who's the next seller. If you can't really pin it down and, you know, you're starting to see some bullish price action against the backdrop of all this bearish news, you know, you're supposed to start thinking about getting pulled up here and getting long because if if this amount of bad news has just dropped and the price of Bitcoin and ETH is, you know, where it is, you know, the price action signals signals bullish bullish times ahead, both for volumes and for, for price. So that's kind of how we're looking at it. Yeah. I want to get your guys' take on um like actually let me let me ask about the sellers. Like Avi, you had this I think I think it was you who mentioned in the in the podcast episode 
earlier today that dropped or yesterday, thousand X, like the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is you, you think about who's buying and who's selling, who are the, who are the buyers and who are the sellers. So I guess, can you just dig us? Like when I think about that, there are probably two names that come to mind. It's the, mi the miners are, are just have to sell Bitcoin. Um, and then there are, uh, and then there are, I, I mean, like funds, I don't know if, I, I don't really understand the market mechanisms of like, uh, you know, maybe are people doing redemptions for funds? Like funds have to close their books on, on December 31st. Like, does that people, people love saying that let's do, let's do some quick math. Okay. Yeah. Tell, tell me about math. that. Yeah. No. Let's say there, let's say there was 10 billion on January 1st this year. Let's say there was 10 billion held by crypto funds. No, let's do, let's do 20 billion. Let's say 20 billion was held by crypto funds. Okay. Well, your average crypto fund, it's probably down 60 to 70% this year. Okay. So let's, let's, let's be, you know, conservative and say they're down, they're down, call it, I don't know. Yeah. 60, 60, 60%. Right. And then let's take the fact that we've got probably most crypto funds are looking at 50% in terms of cash exposure right now. Right. So if you've got 10 billion in, in, in crypto funds and you're down 60, you're looking at four, 4 billion. You've got 50% in cash, you're looking at 2 billion of exposure. Do you think that every single person is about to redeem from these crypto funds? Okay, if every single person redeems from the crypto fund, you've got $2 billion of sell pressure. Okay, that's fine. I mean, yeah, it's going to send us it's going to send us a little bit a little bit lower, but Bitcoin trades billions of dollars a day, ETH trades billions of dollars a day. You know, uh, and then obviously the number is not 100% of people withdrawing. So <laughs> All right. From my, from, you know, real quick. <laughs> what's up? I said, cleared that one up real quick. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I mean, and, it, and if somebody asked Cumberland it just, it just for a doesn't, bid on doesn't make two yards of, of Bitcoin, like if, if we were asked to show a price for that, we wouldn't be charging a couple of basis points. But equally, you know, let, let's just say we charge down 10% from fair value. Like Bitcoin's back to where it was a couple of days ago on that. Right. Like, who cares? Okay. So, fun, fund redemptions, funds closing their books, yeah, so not I, I think. Pressure. I think the, the key here, um, you know, when I was saying that, maybe it needs to be articulated a little bit more clearly is sometimes I'm thinking about the actual specific type of person. So sometimes I'm thinking about the fund or the miner or the retail investor or your high net. Sometimes I'm thinking about that. What I'm thinking about right now is really just more an aggregate. It's more if you want to sell. Any, if anybody has wanted to sell over the last month, what are their reasons for selling? Uh, probably FTX is, is, a big, is a big part of it. The other dominoes to fall is another big part of it. Price action is another, is, is another big part of it. And macro is another big part of it. No, well, all, none of those things have changed over the last month. So all of the reasons to sell have sort of dissipated at this point, right? Like if you're holding crypto, and you didn't sell yesterday, what makes you wake up today and decide to sell that crypto? What makes you do that? And the answer in my mind is really only one is if price goes up, then you can exit a bit, right? It's like, okay, so let's say, you, let's say you're underwater and <clears throat> you're sitting there and you're like, okay, now maybe Bitcoin's 19, 20K, I can sell a little bit. Maybe you bought 15, 16K, and what are you aiming the buyer? If you've bought 15, 16 K, what are you looking for? You're, you're probably not looking for 18. You're probably looking for 20 or 21 or 22. I mean, that's too, too small of a move for your average buyer. So what I'm saying is at this current state, 
We're looking at the current market with ETH at 1272 and Bitcoin at 17.5. I don't see where the mass amount of selling comes in. Now, I'm not saying we can't go to 17. I'm not saying we can't go to 16.5, but I am saying I think it'd be weird and unexpected for us to go to 14 before 20. That's my view, right? That, that, that would be that I think that would require in my mind, you know, this is an opinion, this is not a fact, but I think it would require Binance going down or USDT going down or something insane and crazy that is very unlikely to happen to happen. Yeah. You need a new trigger. I think one other feature to get, to get, to get people to sell. Otherwise, you know, you have to ask yourself the question, why haven't they already sold? Right. Yeah. And in terms of who would buy, like you had over a million depositors on FTX, people depositing and, you know, earn products like what Celsius was running and, you know, Voyager and a couple of others who, you know, once owned Bitcoin and ETH and now they own nothing, right? They own a claim that's worth, you know, a distressed claim on what used to be Bitcoin or ETH that's now lost somewhere. So in some bankruptcy proceeding. So there may actually be a deficit of crypto if even one or 2% of those people decide to go and repurchase the Bitcoin that they used to have, you know, these, these bankruptcies could result in some buying. I, I do want to, I do want to point out one, one additional risk factor, which I didn't uh, mention, which is obviously sellers can come from correlation trades. So if macro, you know, if the S and P keeps going down, then Bitcoin and, and, and ETH can keep going down. But I want to point out something fun, which is, uh, so I'm, we're talking right now, it's 1230 PM Eastern, uh, from nine 30 market open to now over the last three hours, S and is down 1.3% and ETH is down 30 bips. So what that tells me is it tells me there are a lot more sellers in equities than there are in crypto right now. And I think, you know, par- partially it's because there's a lack of sellers, but partially it's because people are buying. And, you know, you always have to ask the opposite question. It would be, it would be rude and incomplete of me to not ask who's the buyer. Can't just ask one side. And I think I have a lot more answers for who's the buyer uh, because 17K Bitcoin, are, are, that's a level that you haven't seen since 2017. People are going to look at that and they're going to say, this, this seems, like a, seems like a reasonable price. seems like a good deal. You look at ETH at, you know, at, at, at 12, at 1270 uh, and you, you say to yourself, well, oh, after the biggest exchange blow up of all time, ETH is still at 1270. Maybe there's some value here and I need to start allocating. Right? I think all the, all the smart people uh, with a lot of money, what they like to do is they, they like to look for, for buying opportunities. And let me tell you, post-catastrophe, smart people are trained to look for opportunity. That's always what happens. Yeah. All right. So then After, let me yeah. right, go, go, ahead. go ahead. No, that's all. That's all I was going to say. Let me, let me turn that into a question then, which is, it feels like the last several months, people have been positioning themselves for the downside. It's like, okay, I think there's greater risk in the system. There's still leverage in the system. You know, everyone's asking that, that kind of funny question, like, what's the contagion here? Does this now make you think, Avi, about like, all right, let me flip that around. How do I position myself for, for the upside? Are we, are we there yet? I'm, I'm positioned. I'm, I'm, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm positioned accordingly to the way that I've been, the way that I've been speaking. Uh, you know, I, you, you never, you never want to take excess risk and you always want to make sure that you have invalidation for your, for your theses and you have a plan for getting punched in the face. But it's, you know, my, my view of the market and I've, I've been cautious for a while. I think if you, if you listen to my previous podcast, you know, 
over the last six months have, I've, I've been, I think I've been a voice of moderated caution as opposed to outright bullishness. I think this is the most bullish I've been on our podcast since 2020. So, you know, my, 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 my view here is that post catastrophe, you need to be looking for opportunity, not betting that it's going to get worse. Right. And, you know, you can, and I'm not saying I'm right. It could get worse. Another domino could fall. But if you're not looking for opportunity now, when do you look for opportunity? It's silly to look for opportunity when Bitcoin's at 30K or at 60K and not look for opportunity when Bitcoin's at 17. That's that's a silly way to approach a market. I think that's actually a good little plug for our podcast, Avi. I mean, at at this point, if you listen to crypto commentators, the talking heads, you know, you tend to get a lot of, you know, crypto euphoric people who, you know, believe that this is the future and they sort of have kind of a mentality that crypto can't go lower. Equally, you know, you you read the news, you know, there's a lot of no coiner haters out there who just say that it's all a scam. It's, you know, bullshit. <clears throat> you know, those people are equally sure of themselves in the opposite direction. I think, you know, what we're trying to bring to the table is a little bit more of a balanced take. And like Avi said, you know, when the price goes down, like suddenly the math starts to look a lot more attractive to the upside. And I think what's interesting about this particular sell-off relative to the one that happened uh, back in May when Luna blew up, that that was a blockchain collapse, which, you know, you could argue it was baked into the white paper and the code and, you know, you should have seen it coming from a mile away. Sure. But I think that was a moment when the market realized like, hey, we need to be suspicious of blockchains. Um, this one, like Bitcoin and ETH didn't stop processing blocks. They just, there was just a company in the Bahamas that blew up. You know, very, very different story. So I think as people watch the SBF news and watch him go to jail and start to disaggregate his particular actions from what, you know, blockchains mean for society, I, I think uh, I think I think you have some room um, to sort of disaggregate the current price action and the post FTX sell off from, you know, crypto bearish factors. You understand kind of what I'm yeah. getting at here? I do. I do. Let me Avi, let me ask you something because you're you're around in the in the last cycle, and and basically every cycle is fall every cycle follows the same thing, which is just pushing further out on the risk spectrum. So like you would you would hypothetically think that this next cycle looks like bonds, then equities, then Bitcoin, then ETH, then alt L ones maybe, then then apps, and then and then the Ponzi's, and then that's the top. Do you think that do you think this next cycle looks the same? Yeah, I don't think humans change, <laughs> and I that's just. That Pushing further out on the risk spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it just, it, it, it's going to have, it's going to have the hallmark. I mean, I think cycle is probably a misnomer um, just because I don't think that there's, you know, I think if you look at how Bitcoin has traded over the last 10 years since inception, it definitely has traded in a cycle format with boom busts. I think moving forward, that's going to happen. It's just going to be more muted. Right. And that's actually what we saw this cycle. We went up, we went up less, right? And that's just the nature of, you know, one, it's, it, it's, it's funny. It's like, a, uh, what is it? I think it's a cube, the cube rule, right? It's in, in, en in engineering. It's a, you can take, if you take miniature scale models and you, and, and you just make them bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, sometimes at, at some point they, they actually break, even though when they, they work when they're miniature, right? Because you kind of hit the upper bounds of what, physics will allow you to will, will, will allow you to accomplish and the same thing is true bitcoin it's just like it gets to a certain point where it's just too big to do the same things that it was doing before um and i think that's probably true here but that being said you know tops 
in crypto will look like tops in crypto have before, which is that people go down the risk spectrum. But it's just true in like market cycles too, right? Like you look at you look at the tech tech boom uh, ended the same way this time that it did last time with a lot of a lot of crazy stuff getting funded. So you know, it's interesting. Another lateral uh, from the commodity space. You guys have ever read this awesome book called The Prize about the history of crude oil. It's, you know, it's the Bible for every crude trader. And at the beginning of the book, there's this chart in, uh, you know, inflation adjusted terms, a chart of the price of crude oil from its inception in the late 1800s until the present day. And there's spectacular volatility, like what Avi was talking about in the very beginning when, you know, much like crypto, you could slap a price on this emergent technology, you know, hey, is it just crap that bubbles out of the ground and maybe it's tar or hey, actually, you know, like some Yale chemists can turn this into kerosene, which can be used to light and heat a room. Like, is it one or the other? Is it useless junk or is it the future? And the price would do these like huge, huge oscillations. And, uh, you know, then it kind of calmed down for a little while and the cycles got a little bit tighter and the amplitude lessened, uh, but the trend was sort of up. And I think that's a really interesting lateral for crypto at this mm. early stage. Uh, Jonah, how do you see folks positioned right now? I mean, you're, you sit in the middle of a lot of this like smart crypto money. Yeah, I mean, people are... Okay, so you've got a couple different buckets of traders right now. And here's what they're doing. One, one bucket is institutional investors, fairly passive. They're waiting on the sidelines, right? If they jump in, they're not really looking at like, hey, it's a low price. This is the best opportunity because if they jump in and it goes down another 50%, they get fired. Meanwhile, if it three X's and they buy then when all their peers are buying, it's a safer bet and they don't get fired. So that's sort of that, that group's incentive. So they're just waiting on the sidelines. Their plans are pushed out a little bit. Group number two, you have the Avi Fellmans of the world, fast money, as we call them. Uh, those people are starting <laughs> to get involved. You know, living, living um, dangerous, Avi. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> if if you're if you're an active trader and you follow price action and macro correlation, you're looking at crypto here, and more often than not, like that group is saying, like this is, you know, this this is a movement. It's gaining geopolitical relevance. Like this is this currency. Uh, you know, as these Orwellian hemispheres get erected between East and West, like Bitcoin is kind of a shoe in for a global reserve currency. It's it's down what from the all time highs. It's outperforming equity like buy right up. So that group, you know, they range from like big macro hedge funds, like the tinfoil hat wearing like gold bug crowd. Like those guys, those guys are, you know, thinking about getting long here or already long. Um, and then you have some, you know, crypto native participants. And as Avi said, like the typical crypto hedge fund is, you know, if they were lucky enough or intelligent enough uh, or you know, had enough foresight to get their assets off of FTX, like the altcoin investing strategy that minted, you know, millionaires and billionaires in 2021 has been a very treacherous strategy this year. So a lot of those guys are down big and they're they're kind of constrained in what they can do and their volumes are down. That's That's sort of a basic overview. Yeah, I know both you guys have to hop in a sec. So I've two two last things I want to get your guys' takes on, and then uh, and then we can wrap this up. One is um just leverage in the system. Not, uh, if you look at the last cycle, is like very. I mean, Genesis had like fifty one billion dollars of loans outstanding at the top. Yeah, I'm just I'm just curious how you guys see uh le like leverage. There's and just there's not a lot credit. of it out there. It's just not you I mean, can't. I know get the it. leverage has been wiped out, and I know it's yeah. like very like credit driven cycle last time but like move, moving forward how do you see credit in crypto moving forward and is I it, see it from the DeFi players or is it like all DeFi credit like what does this look like 
Well, in the short run, the uh, the absence of leverage sort of means that people aren't going to have to trade when they don't want to. If you're like if you're levered up or if and then credit tightens up, you're forced to trade at the worst possible time. That's what we saw over the course of the last 6 to 8 weeks. Now that that's kind of cleaned itself out, like you know, you you're not going to see as many forced sellers in terms of where like borrowing and lending coin is a fantastic business if you do it intelligently. And you know, I would be shocked if, you know, people from Avi's you know, parent companies world, uh, you know, of Golden Tree and and similar, you know, extremely well-respected credit funds don't start to, you know, get involved in lending at some point. And you'll have CFI lenders come back, but done right, as opposed to done by, you know, poor risk managers uh, who do crazy things with the, the, co- the coins that they're loaned. Also, I think, you know, on-chain is where lending is going. Like Aave is a fantastic source of liquidity. Um, and that's only going to grow because of its transparency and its utility and it's a DeFi primitive that has like a, in my opinion, a very big role in the future of crypto trading. Yeah. Avi, anything to add there? No. I think you nailed it. Cool. Last thing, Avi, this, this one's for you is, um, mm-hmm. you guys have been pretty active in Sushi. I'm just curious how you think about trading, trading around governance events. So we don't trade governance events when it comes to sushi we're just buy. we bought it, we like it. Okay. We're, we're, we're holding it you know we're, we're waiting we're waiting for our thesis thesis to either play out or for us to lose faith and ne- neither of those things have neither of those things have happened yet you know i really like the sushi team i think that they're doing a fantastic job you know there, there was a there's a recent there's a recent proposal out um to so something that was interesting and i'll talk about this for two seconds is there was a recent proposal out to uh redirect revenue from being paid out to the holders of SushiSwap to the treasury of SushiSwap. And it kind of caused a stir in the community because people are like, what, what are you doing taking money away from token holders? And <clears throat> the answer is, well, if you only have a year of runway left in the treasury, and then after a year, the protocol might die, well, it actually makes sense to stop paying out what is effectively a dividend, right? When companies try to grow, they're not going to be paying out massive dividends. They're going to be reinvesting it. And that's really what this is, is SushiSwap is saying, hey, guys, so we've entered, we, we were in really good times in 2021. And because we were in really good times, we do what all normal companies do, which is we pay out a dividend to people. And now that we're in a really bad time, we actually want to take our, take our money and reinvest it because we think this is a great time to reinvest in our, in our protocol, right? So that's really what's happening. It's just normal, smart course of business. Um, and so, you know, we try to just stay abreast and stay involved with governance. And, and there's some things that happen in governments that are good. And there's some things that happen in government gover- governance that, you know, is, is bad. And, and, you know, you, you, you just, I think that's probably the next real way to generate alpha in crypto is to pay attention to what protocols and DAOs are actually doing. Um, and so we do, you know, outside of Sushi pay attention to governance pretty, pretty actively because there are a lot of opportunities that pop up when people in DAOs do smart things. There are also opportunities that pop up when people in DAOs do dumb things, right? And so you, I think the, 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 the takeaway here is that you, you just have to start paying attention and you, you, can, you, can get, you can get somewhere really good. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. We, um, we've been writing about, is, is this the uh, Grayshimi remodel? Is that what, is that Sushi's thing? The Grayshimi remodel? 
So it's uh, it's that that's a token economic revamp. There's a okay. uh, there's a proposal, a signal proposal up right now to redirect, um, basically protocol fees. Where Got should it, that right. go? I just saw our, that's, in our that's, research that's, that's, chat, that's our analysts were talking about like Jer I think Jared dropped something in the Discord about Gracie. I, I got to go read about it. So, anyhow. Awesome, guys. This, this has been great. Um, I promised you guys we'd, we'd keep this short and sweet, so I'll honor that promise. But yeah, congrats on the launch of a 1000X podcast. Um, Santiago will be back next week, guys. So excited about that. And uh, Avi, Jonah, any last words here? Thanks for uh, welcoming us to the BlockWorks family. Stoked to be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah.